Hey guys, thanks for swinging by our podcast today. We hope this message leaves you encouraged and filled with hope and that Christ and His goodness is meeting your every need. I I do have a word from the Lord this morning. I got it at about 30,000 feet uh, in the air last night. Logan says it's because it's closer to the Lord. (laughs) So he told me. Uh, Oh, that's pr- I, I wish I'd have been smart enough to think of that and put it in my notes. <laughs> Love it. So, it's like, man, like we're, we're really trying to go after the presence of the Lord. And, well, it's got to be rooted in something. Okay? And, and I'll just get to the punchline and then I'll do an introduction. But it's got to be rooted in the Word of God. Okay, it has to be rooted in His Word. Now, I'm not one that likes if someone says it has. Like, I'm not a literalist in the sense that someone says it has to be in the Bible for me to believe believe it could happen. Well, then why did why did Paul pray? I want the things. Or we, I pray you experience the things that eye has not seen, ear has not heard. So, so, so if something happens I haven't seen before, then I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna test the spirits afterward. <laughs> and try and discern and ask the Holy Spirit to give clarity. But it's got to be rooted in the Word. We need to be people of the Word. We need to be people of the book. I mean, I mean, and this isn't a, this will not be a legalistic read your Bible for one chapter a day message or read your Bible for 30 minutes a day message. This is not what this is going to be. But what I, what I believe the Lord wants to show this morning is... How do we experience more of the Lord? We know His Word. Okay? You know His Word. So, we've been talking from Luke 14 with the parable of the dinner, the parable of the banquet, and that's where the father figure in the story says, come for everything is ready right now. Right? Which, And we've been talking about how, like, for years I read that as end times, like an eschatologic... Whatever, end times passage. I'm <laughs> not going to be able to use big words today. I read that from end times passage, but again, I'm fully convinced that it's actually, it's a kingdom now message. It's a experiential now message. It's a, uh, this isn't waiting until we get to heaven, because again, the three guys later on in the story that made excuses, you cannot convince me they're going to get before the Lord in all of His glory and say, i got to go take care of this property I just bought or I just got married or, or, or the, the relationships that I have back home are more important than what I have right here. I don't think you're going to do that. I believe that this is, again, I believe this passage, this story, is, is a warning and an invitation to what happens if we do not fully accept the fact that the Lord desires to spend time with us right here and right now, okay? And so he says, come to this big banquet table. Come and, come and experience me. Come and be in my presence because everything's right, right here and right now. And, and again, there's lots of really neat things that's at his table. I mean, there's healing, which we've experienced this morning. There's grace. There's mercy. And, 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 but the one thing that I said a few weeks ago really the whole premise of coming to the table isn't necessarily what's at the table. It is who is at the table. So, so when, I, when I go out to eat, 
I go out to eat because the food's good, right? But what I really do is I go out to eat because the company's even better. I mean, it'd be weird, it'd be weird if I went to dinner with my family and just said, hush, and I just put my head the whole time and didn't make eye contact with my family sitting there at the dinner table with me. I mean, it'd be, she'd probably get ticked. And let's just be honest. <laughs> and so I want to talk in the context of the word. I want, I want to, I say the word, the logos, the written word. I, I want to talk about at the table, the premise of the table, the invitation to the table is to get obsessed with the one that invited you there and to become obsessed with the one that's seated there with you. Okay. So, so. The Bible, again, teaches you can experience heaven now. So how do we experience heaven now? By becoming obsessed with the one who's at the table. And, 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 and how do we stir up an increase obsession? Well, I think we stir up an increase obsession simply by getting in his word. Getting in his word. His word is more than words. His word is more than words. How's that? It's, it's more than just words typed on a page. These are, these are divinely inspired words given to men over 2,000, over, well, some of them over 2,000 years ago. But, but these words were divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit's influence. So when you say, when we look at this thing, when we look at the Bible, that these aren't words that, that someone said, I think this would be really cool to put this sentence in this structure in this way. No, it was the Holy Spirit spoke to someone and they wrote what the Spirit spoke to them, okay? And so it's divinely inspired. And so, so when we're like, well, I don't really like what's written in there and parts of it, get over it. The Spirit of God's the one that said to put it in there, okay? So... <laughs> So we stir up obsession for the Lord by getting in His Word. Now, again, do not receive this as condemnation if you're not reading your Bibles. Ex receive this as an invitation to get to know a person. Alright? Because His words are more than words. His words are Him Himself. So when I open this up, John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the... Word, and the Word was God. That's crazy. In the beginning was the Word, Logos, means written Word. In the beginning was the Logos, the written Word, and the Word was God. And the Word was with God. Like John's writing right off the bat saying, this is where we get our Trinitarian theology, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Okay. He's saying from the beginning, the Word existed, and the Word is Christ Jesus Himself. Okay? So He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. <laughs> in Him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. The darkness cannot... It's almost like the dark, like it's not that the darkness can't understand the light, it's the darkness is scared to death of the light. That, that, that's what that means, okay? That's the most simplistic definition. So when I open this book up, and it's really 66 books, 
compiled into one book. But when I open this book up, I'm not, again, I'm not just looking at words. I'm actually looking at the Logos, the written Word of God, which is actually Christ Jesus himself. So it's like, what does Jesus look like? He looks like what's written here. It's like, well, I want to get to know him. You can look right here at him. And like, that's so weird, but it's the truth. And so it's like, how do we get to know him? Have a conversation with him. And, and so, so when you open it up, again, this will be kind of some teaching today. But when you open this up, and I like to preach. I'll probably take off and preach at the end. But, but, but when I open this up, again, I'm, I'm looking into the face of a person who is real. He was born. He was born of a virgin, right? He was born of a virgin. He grew up. And at 33 years old, right, he was crucified for us and he died and then he went to the pits of hell because he literally became sin for us. And after three days, he came back alive and then he walked the planet Earth alive, not as a spirit, but as a man that was alive. And then he ascended it was like, like, it'd be like, you know, he ascended. I don't know if he made a noise. I wish he would have made a noise when he ascended to heaven. But he ascended to heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God as a man. Like, so, so, so when we look at this, we are actually looking at the face of a man that loved us. That again, we said this at the beginning of service, that had a conversation before the very foundation of the earth, the lamb was slain. Which means, again, it was like, these knuckleheads are going to mess it up. And he's like, I'll, I'll go do it. It's crazy. See, something, I can't wait. Like, and, and the... There is truth to this, but not as much as we think, okay? Some say, I need to wait to heaven so that I can ask God a bunch of questions. You realize you can ask him questions right now. And you realize that he does answer those questions right now, right? Okay? Deuteronomy 29.29 says, The secret, secret things belong to the Lord, but the mysteries... The mysteries of God he gives to men. And then it goes on and says that those mysteries belong to their sons and daughters forever. Wow. So, so, by the way, so, like, the things the Lord has spoken to me, like, the prayer would be that Ethan doesn't have to spend his whole life searching for the questions that I've asked that I just go ahead and give the answers to those questions to him, and then he, those answers belong to him, and he has permission to go so much deeper than I've ever been. Now, so we think we have to go to heaven to get to know the Lord, and, and through his word and his spirit, I'm going to focus on the word because I focus on the spirit a lot here, but we're going to focus on the word today, but through his word, we can get to know him. And so, so let's just say this. This is a jarring statement. When does eternal life begin? Does it, when does it begin? I'll go ahead and answer it that way. Straw man. It begins the moment you give your life to Jesus. Eternal life begins the moment that you, 
We say pray the prayer of faith, but eternal life begins the moment that you take up your cross and that you die and that you begin to follow him all the days of your life. And so it's like my body's going to give out, but I'm never going to die, which freaks people out. But you have eternal life because so, your spirit's not going to die. All right. So eternal life begins at the moment you surrender your life to him. And again, logos is the written word. So before the beginning, the written word, Jesus was with God and was God. And so when you read the word, again, you're not just reading. You're looking into the face of Jesus Christ. And this is amazing because we feel so far away from him. But for most of us, you probably have 20 different, ver and I say this, this is a joke, but you have probably 20 different versions of him sitting on your shelf collecting dust. <laughs> and they all say the same stuff. They're just translated different. And by the way, I don't care what translation you use. I, I, I use, I like two versions a whole lot. I like the NASB. That's a personal preference because it's pretty accurate. My opinion is pretty accurate with verb tenses. Verb tenses are important. This morning I read from, or quoted Isaiah 6 that said, where Isaiah said, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe was filling the temple. When you look it up, the word filling in the Greek, again, it means continual filling. That's where you get the tears of the robe put on the new king's thing. So, so it's like this. If he lives in my heart, there's perpetual victory, and it continues to grow and to grow and to grow. That's really important. Like the NIV, and again, if you read that one, that's great. But just understand that in the NIV, it says the train of his robe filled the temple, which insinuates that it filled it once and it's done. Okay, so that's why I like what I read from. The other one I really enjoy is the Passion Translation, and it's only in the New, it's in the New Testament. It's amazing. It's, they only have so far the New Testament, Song of Solomon, and the Psalms translated. And, um, and that's one I like to read for personal devotion a lot. And um, I'm not telling you to go out and get them. I'm just saying it doesn't matter what you read to me. I like the New King James too. I just don't talk that way. By the way, Jesus didn't walk around with the King James Bible, okay? I'm just going to say that. All right. So anyway, I mean, I like it. He just didn't walk around with one. So if you're like, what do I read? Read what you can understand. But also understand this. If you don't understand, read anyway. Come on. Come on. Because yeah. you're not reading. Like, there's a time to study, but you're not reading so that you can get head knowledge. You're reading so that he begins to transform you from glory to glory, from faith to faith, from hope to hope. You're reading so that you get conformed into the image of Christ. You're, you're reading so that you begin to look more like the one that you're reading about, okay? And so, so, so it's like this. Like there have been times where you're like, well, what does that even mean? Like I'm not reading for up here. I'm reading for here. It's like, it, man, there have been so many times that I've prayed for people or I've counseled people and it was like something came out. I'm like, I didn't even know I knew that verse. <laughs> and I stink at memorization, right? Like a lot of ways I have a photographic memory. Like I can read something and like I, I know like on what side the page things are. Like I do that, but I do have a trouble memorizing certain things. But sometimes it's just like, poof, it comes out. Well, how did it come out? Well, apparently more stuck than I was actually able to understand with my head. And then it came out, and I'm like, holy smokes, that's amazing, right? Like, I, I pray much more intelligent than I actually probably am. 
It's like this too. Like you find yourself in a situation, you're like, I just don't know what to do. And then it's like, boom, the Lord, by his spirit, brings a verse to your head and you're like, I don't know, probably don't know where that's located at, but I know it's in there somewhere. And why did the Lord do that? Because when you weren't quite understanding, he brought wisdom and revelation to something, and you're like, that makes sense now. Amen. So if you're like, I don't understand, if you need help picking one out, tell me. If you don't have one, tell me. If you don't have one, we have like all kinds of NASBs on the back of the pews. They are free. They're actually for you to take home. It's like when my grandmother passed away in lieu of flowers, my grandmother at her funeral wanted money given to, for Bibles for the three churches in her family, our church, my dad's church, and my uncle's church. And so we divvied up the money and we were able to purchase Bibles for the church to give away for free, okay? So if you don't have one, grab it. That's all my grandmother did, by the way, was give away Bibles. She was amazing. So, anyway, read it. <laughs> and then read some more. It's like, well, where do I start? I don't know. Ask the Holy Spirit. I probably wouldn't start in Leviticus. <laughs> I probably wouldn't start. I, like, I, I tell people, it's like, I, I go back and forth. Like, I think it's probably a good idea to start in the Gospels, you know, tell people like, you know, if you have attention problems, I'd probably read the book of Mark because it's 16 chapters long and it's miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. It's like reading or watching. I don't like, like, I think it's like watching a Sylvester Stallone movie with lots of explosions. I mean, that's, that's what I think it is. <laughs> so, so if attention problems, start with that one. I also tell people to read John because John is really the book of, written by the one, John the Beloved, the one that was so confident in his identity in Christ, he didn't even give his name. He just said, I'm the one who Jesus loves. And so you get a revelation of the Lord's love through, through the book of John. John's also the one that said, and John wrote in John, he said that his head was pressed up against the chest of Jesus that's really amazing. And he's also the one that in Revelation that the Lord said, come up here. And he got a, a, a vision of the throne room of God, which is like crazy. But so I tell people, start with John, start with Mark, start in the Gospels. If you want to know how to pray, read the Psalms. Like this sounds so like, I feel like I'm teaching a Sunday school class right now, but there's so much truth in this if you'll get it. Like if you want to know how to pray, read the Psalms. I don't know how to pray. Psalm 1, open it up and read it out loud and say, God, I don't know how to pray, but could maybe I just read this out loud and it'll count as my prayer? Amen. Next thing you know, you'll be praying it, okay? I don't know how to explain that other than that. So anyway, read. Again, I don't, I'm not going to tell you how much to read. Read till you're done. Like someday, <laughs> read till you're done. Like, if, 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 if you give yourself 10 minutes before you go to work, you're, you're going to spend 10 minutes with the Lord. And, and, and that's fine, but you may or may not encounter Him during that time. And, and so give yourself some time. And, and so, like, how, do I, how much do I read? Like, I stink at Bible reading plans. I'm awful at them. 
Because some days, and again, don't hear what I'm doing is what you have to do, okay? Here, this is what I do, and here, when I stop, is what's important. Some days I'll read for two hours. Now, I have more time because this is what I do. I'm called to be a pastor. So, but some days I'll read for two hours. And some days I read for 10 minutes. But I read until it's like, oh, that just jumped off the page. Some days it's like I read one verse and it jumps off the page so much that I can't get past that place. And I'm just like, God, that's amazing. Make that the reality of my life. And so... Read till then, okay? All right. Now, all life is sustained by his word. So, so if we're at the table and we want to begin to obsess over him, we need to be in the word. And all life is sustained by his word. Look at, do, I'm going to read a, a big chunk of scripture right here. And I may not get through all this today. Deuteronomy 8. Deuteronomy 8. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10 real quick. Uh, all the commandments that I am commanding you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go and possess the land which the Lord swore to give your forefathers. Living and multiplying would be a really good thing. And by the way, and again, don't hear this by guilt, but sometimes people tend to do one thing or the other. Sometimes people tend to just read their Bibles only and never pray and then sometimes people only pray but never read the word you should do both all right you shall verse two you shall remember the lord your god has led you in the wilderness these 40 years right here this is such an important verse he led you in the wilderness for these 40 years that he might humble you testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Verse 3, he humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell for 40 years. Thus, you are to know in, in your heart that the Lord God was disciplining you just as a man disciplined his son. Now, I'm going to skip forward to verse 6. It says, Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into good land, a land of brooks and waters, of fountains and springs flowing forth in the valleys of hill, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and figs and pomegranates, the land of olive and honey, the land of milk and honey, where you will eat food without scarcity, in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron, and out of hills you can dig copper. When you have eaten and are satisfied, you shall bless the Lord for the good land he has given you. So the Lord is telling the Israelites about the promised land and saying you're going to receive blessings, you're going to walk in abundance, you're going to just be, you're just going to be blessed, and you're going to be so blessed that people will recognize that you belong to me. And the precursor to that is he says, I humbled you in the wilderness so that you would not be, so that you would become hungry. And, and then he says, what would you become hungry for? Well, for him, he says that I'll feed you with manna that you do not know of. And then he goes on to say that man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that comes forth from the mouth of 
the Lord God. Or Matthew 4, 4 says man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. But it's really interesting. It says that he humbled the people and sent them to the wilderness. The word humble means the Lord actually afflicted the people. Like, well, I don't want to hear that. That doesn't make me feel, the Lord afflicts me. I think the Lord allows us to get miserable sometimes because we're hungering after the wrong things. It's like, why, why can't I ever find satisfaction, right? Why do I always get so bored and feel like i got to go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing? And April will tell you this, like that is something that I've wrestled with most of my life is that like I, I am a Perkins, like we get really hot about something really quick. When I say hot, like obsess over things. It's like the time I was going to be a bodybuilder. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> I went from trying to be ripped to not caring if I'm busted. I mean, <laughs> yeah. and it was, it was obsessive. I like, I'd do the little shaker things and measure the, the protein. I mean, I got obsessed for it for a season of my life. And then I got obsessed over redoing furniture, right? And growing up, I was obsessed over baseball cards. And, and then I got obsessed over LPs just a little bit ago, right? Or about a year and a half ago. I still like them. I'm not obsessed over them anymore. I just, that's a Perkins trait. We just, it's like, oh, squirrel. I'm obsessed over that squirrel. And then one comes over here. Squirrel. I'm obsessed over this one. That's what we do. And the thing is that squirrel to squirrel to squirrel leaves you empty. And the Lord's saying, I leave you that feeling of emptiness so that you'll begin to recognize that you're hungry and the thing that you're hungry for is the Word of God. So that longing that we feel, it's only satisfied by Him. He says that I'll let you be hungry. He allows that feeling of emptiness to come because it stirs something up. The word hungry means to be famished, to be starving, to be in a state of hunger ranging from mild to long, intense, starving feelings. So when we say make me hungry, God, we're saying make me hungry for you, not for the rest of this stuff. We're like, well, I'm satisfied. I don't feel satisfied, but I go to church. I tithe. We should tithe. That should be the starting place. But I go to church, I tithe, I give, I serve, I support. I'm there when the doors are open. I pray, but I still feel empty. Gotta be in the word, man. Gotta be in the word. And again, it's it's not to make you feel guilty. I'm saying like. This is really amazing. This is really, really amazing. It's really amazing. There's life in it. I'll show you in a second how we actually fight, fight our battles with it. It's really amazing. Again, and it's not about how much you read. It's about encountering Him. It's about encountering Him. It's about getting to know Him. Like we would not send, it would be cruel to send a soldier to the front lines of a war and say, go get him, tiger. 
right? Give them squirt guns and little rubber duckies. It'd be, it'd be stupid. And we go through life saying, I'm fighting the devil, and we have nothing to fight him with. I have nothing to live my life by. And the Lord says, here, here's this, here's this book. Here's this book where you get to know me. And like some of it's weird. Some of it's really weird. Like I used to get creeped out reading the Song of Solomon, right? I'm like, I don't even talk to my wife that way. <laughs> your, t- your teeth are like the goat's teeth. I mean, like, like what is that? That's like, that's like what's in there. <laughs> that's different. <laughs> she, she's like. <laughs> anyway. I just embarrassed myself. Oh, but that's about the intense love that the Lord has for us and the intense satisfaction that we have when we love him the way that he loves us. Wow. <laughs> so. Oh, it's, it's just different. Jeremiah, he did nothing but weep and cry, right? Like I'm not anywhere close to my notes. <laughs> He did nothing but weep and cry. Why did he do nothing but weep and cry? Because the Lord weeps and cries when his people are far from him. Right? Jonah. We talk about him being in the belly of a well. I happen to believe that's literal. I'll just say that for probably people who's watching online and would disagree with that. But I happen to believe he really did get swallowed by fish. And he spent three days in the belly of a well, which actually means... He was swallowed by a fish, but it also, metaphorically, he was in the pits of hell. Why was he in the pits of hell? Because he ran from what the Lord was speaking to him. That's Jonah chapter 1. He get, the Lord speaks to him, gives him a call. Jonah gets miserable from the call, runs, and he goes and gets on a boat. And the people on the boat start to get scared because they're, they're, the, they're about to be overtaken by the storm. So one man's disobedience leads to the downfall of other people around them, which I think that's a metaphor for us, that if we're disobedient, it actually leads other people to hell. But anyway, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that goes on in the world. I mean, it's amazing. David, like we, David killed a lion, killed a bear, chopped off Goliath's head, and then was an amazing king, but he was an adulterer and a murderer too, which is mind-boggling. That's all in there. But then the Lord says that David was a man after God's own heart. Like, what? Like, the word's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Abram and Sarah, that's amazing. I mean, we've talked about that before. He, he gets a word. He gets a word when he's over 70 years old that you're going to be the father to many nations. And he's like, 70. That hasn't even registered on my mind for probably 25 years. <laughs> so for 20 more years, or almost 25 more years, he chases Sarah around the tent. And he finally has the fulfillment of that. My goodness, it's different. Which is an amazing thing that the Lord says, if I give a word to you, keep believing, keep believing, keep believing, keep believing, keep believing, believing, no matter how long it takes. It's amazing. It sustains you. 
I mean, seriously, one word from one word from Abram or to Abraham, one word to Abraham sustained him for twenty some years. And then the word of the Lord comes and says, "By the way, you can be father of many nations, but I want you to kill your one and only son, your only begotten son." Which they think that when Abraham was told that that he that Isaiah or I'm sorry Isaac would have been over twenty years old, so he would have had to willingly carried himself up the mountain himself and laid down on the altar and he's going I don't understand but there's a word of the Lord that says I had to do that and he goes like this and then the Lord provides a ram and a thicket I mean I'm all over this morning but I'm saying the word of God's really really amazing yes. Amen. Amen. it sustains you it sustains you the word of the Lord sustained April and I for for a full year before we launched when we moved here and then for 18 months when we're looking around the congregation and 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 the lord was good he moved but when we're like we moved and we've sacrificed and there's a dozen people it's like god we're thankful for the dozen are here but what about the word that you showed us like that sustained us or when you're going through sickness and the lord says that there will be healing that that word sustains you. I'm just saying it's really, really good. Now, sometimes when the Lord speaks, we don't understand what it is. By the way, when he gave the word, he provided in the wilderness, he provided manna. You know what manna translates as? What is it? Literally, the Hebrew for manna means what is it? So the Lord provided supernaturally for people. And they didn't know what to call it. And they go, what is it? <laughs> and then they complain that they got it. They got it. They're like, we don't, we, we're tired of it. What is it? <laughs> but you know what's really significant about that? Is that sometimes the Lord does stuff and we're like, what are you doing? I understand what you're doing right now. But you told me this. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand your plans. I understand why you told me move halfway around the country for this right here. Or I thought I was going to move here and it was going to look like this, but it looks like this. I don't understand what's going on, but I'm going to hold on to the word that you spoke to me. And I'm not going to complain about it because you're good. And I'm going to trust you. Yes. All right. I really do got to finish. All right, so, so let, I'm going to skip like three, bit, three points. I may go to them, but I'm going to go to the real important point. The word is what we war with. Yes, wow, so good. Yeah. Like, again, I don't think spiritual warfare isn't going around looking to pick a fight. I think spiritual warfare is actually just knowing what the word says, and the moment a fight even starts to come up, you start to declare the word of God. All right, so teach for just a second. 1 John 4, 17, a verse over this is, As he is, so are we in this world. All right, as he is, so are we in this world. Genesis 1, Genesis 1 is riddled with this one phrase. And God said, let there be. But what did God do? He said. He didn't think. He didn't rub his ruby red slippers together. He said, let there be, and it was so. Now, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was God. The Word was with God. So the Word was in the beginning. And what did God do? He spoke the Word, and it was so. 
There's power in declaring the Word of God. Yes. <laughs> Things happen. All right, so there's power. Jeremiah 1, 11 through 12 says, The word Lord came to me saying, What do you see, Jeremiah? And he said, I see a rod and an almond tree. Like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> but then he said to me, You've seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The Lord says he's watching over his word. Watching means he's intent on it. He's actually obsessing over his word. And he's, he's not moving his eyes from his word. He's got a single focus on his word. And it says, I'm watching over my word to perform it, which means to do, to make happen, to accomplish, to bring forth. So I happen to believe, like Genesis 1 is a prime example. So it says that the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. The word hovering means that he was brooding. It's the exact same word for watching right here in Jeremiah. So when he says that he's watching over his word, he's waiting with excitement and anticipation. For what? For the spoken word of God, which comes from the written word, what we have to be spoken out and released. And it actually means that he's excited and giddy to, for it to come forth into fruition. I don't mean to spit all Arvians if I am today. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's like a, a, a Gallagher concert. Except for it's not watermelons, it's my slobber. So when we declare his word, we believe stuff should happen. It's like, well, is that, are you talking word and faith, brother? Now, yes. Now, don't let the weirdo word and faith stuff abuses from 30, 40 years ago keep you from declaring the word of God. Amen. It's the same thing. Like any truth can be perverted if it's not rooted in the spirit of God. Okay? So we're not going to let what some, let's just say, we're not going to let what some really way out there people, their mistakes cause us from missing out on what the Lord wants to do. Okay? His word is our weapon. If he watches over it and his word is our weapon, how do we know it's our weapon? Right here, Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the soul and the spirit of both joints and marrow and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So in other words, it's like it. I, I, and, that's, and by the way, we have what? The sword of the spirit too, which is actually the word of God. <laughs> So, so it's like this. It's like, well, something bad happens. And again, sometimes bad stuff happens because we do dumb things. But sometimes sickness comes for no other reason, right? And, and if sickness comes, we're like, well, we believe the Lord's will is to heal. And so it's like, I got the word of God. I'm going to Judy chop the, the, the devil with the word of God or whatever. I'm going to, I'm going to say, no weapon, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 54, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Right? I'm going to start declaring that. I've got, like, I've got this, this, and this coming on. on I, I, this past week, I had a picture. Well, anyway, I, I, made, I got famous because they took something out of context and they made a meme out of me and it's on this very critical website and they took something way out of context. 
And I'm like, I wanted to respond in anger. And then I'm like, no, that's just stupid. Jesus, you said no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And Lord, this will not gain any traction. This will not do anything. I believe, God, that you're actually using this right now to see if I'm going to lose my lunch and if I'm going to lose my cool because someone put something silly about me online on Facebook, which is just so stupid anyway, right? I'm going to begin to declare the word and believe the word's going to go forth and fight the battle for me. And the only way you can do that isn't if you go and say, I I'm going to do this. No, you get seated at that table where he says, come for everything's ready right now. <laughs> so that's what's really amazing. So as you declare, you're not stressing out. You're relaxed. I'm here. I can see this forth. Let's look at a few verses we can declare. All right, Isaiah 55, 11 says, So my word, which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty. Without, a, <laughs> without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in a matter for which I send it. Like you could read it out loud and it's going to accomplish something. All right. Jeremiah 17. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is in the Lord. Lord, I thank you that I'm blessed because I'm trusting in you. I'm declaring the Lord. I'm, I'm declaring the word of the Lord. I'm declaring the word. I'm blessed. I am. So are you. Why? Well, he'll be like a tree planted by water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. Father, I thank you. I thank you that I'm blessed by you. I thank you that I'm like a tree planted right next to you. And when the heat comes, when the fire comes, I'm not going to get stressed out. I'm not going to worry. I'm actually going to believe that you're going to send fruit. I believe you're going to send sustenance. It's hard right now. Work's hard right now. But I thank you that you're going to take care of me. I thank you that you are the cattle on a Kind of on a thousand hills that you're going to provide. Do you understand what I'm saying? You take those promises, you begin to declare and pray them out loud. And what happens is something begins to shift from way down here, from way down here. And, and whether you get more confident or what, I don't know, but I think faith begins to rise. Amen. Oh, right here. Okay, here's one for provision. Philippians 4.19. And my God... Will supply all your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Father, I thank you because you said that all my needs are going to be supplied in Christ Jesus. I thank you that even though there's more bills coming in than money's coming in, that all of my needs are going to be met through your riches that are found only in Christ Jesus. I thank you that it's not just monetary needs. I thank you that all my emotional needs, all my physical needs, all of everything that I feel like I have to have, it's found within you. You understand? So, so you can begin to declare those things. Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be... I'm just reading some of my favorites. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Thank you, God. I'm hungering and I'm thirsting after you. And I thank you, God, that I'm actually satisfied. And there's things in my life that I wish were different, but I thank you because I'm hungering and thirsting after you that I'm actually content with the way things are right now. Proverbs 16, 20. He who gives attention to the word, <laughs> he who gives attention to the word will find good. Life stinks right now. 
But Father, I thank you that I'm going to look in your word and I'm going to find good. <laughs> oh, and by the way, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. There it is again. All right, let's, let's, do, let's do this one. Romans 8, an amazing one. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Father, I thank you that it feels like all hell is coming against us right now. It seems like that every time we take one step forward, we have two steps coming backwards. Father, I thank you that it, it, it seems like that it's just bad thing after bad thing after bad thing after bad thing is happening. But I thank you that you're a victorious God. And I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, God, that if you are for me, that none of these things are going to stand against me. I thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail in this situation. Let's go ahead and go forward. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him for us all, how will he not also freely give us all things? Father, I thank you that you're holding nothing back because you sent Jesus Christ to die for my sins. And if you did that, then you would go at no length at whatsoever. There would be nothing that you would not do to be able to take care of us as your own sons and daughters. Who'll bring a charge against the elect? By the way, that would be when someone writes something bad about you about faith. Who's going to bring a charge against me? Who cares? God is the one who justifies. Who's the one who condemns? Christ Jesus who died. Yes, rather who was raised and who was at the right hand of God and who also intercedes for us. Father, I thank you. I don't really know if I can trust anyone to pray for what's going on in my life because it's really, really private and I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to make someone feel bad. But you know what? I thank you that Jesus is actually praying for me right here and right now. And he's doing that and he's doing that and he's doing that. But, you know, Begin to declare those things. Begin to speak those things out. I I think it's one thing to know them. I'm not knocking knowledge. I love to learn. I'm saying, start saying it out loud, even if you feel goofy, because it changes the way you think. Yes. <laughs> Who'll separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation? Will distress? Persecution? Famine? I love this one. I always joke. Or nakedness? None of y'all's naked. Praise God. Yeah. Or peril or sword? If I'm going through a hard time, will it separate me from the love of Jesus? No. <laughs> Come on. If, if, if I'm distressed, if I'm stressed out, will that separate me from the love of God? No. If I'm being persecuted, no. If I'm hungry and don't have enough income, will that separate me from the love of God? No. Will nakedness, no. Will peril, a sort, no. I thank you that no matter what's going on in the world today, it will not separate me from your love. The only thing that will separate us from his love is if we choose to separate ourselves from his love. Just as is written, for your sake we're being put to death all day long, and we're considered a sheep to be slaughtered. But in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I thank you, God, that I'm more than a conqueror. Again, I'm walking through this hard time, but I thank you I'm more than a conqueror. I thank you I'm more than a conqueror. I thank you that I'm, 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 I'm a victor. I thank you for that, Jesus. Begin to declare those things. <coughs> Let's do this last one. I exaggerated. And I'm going to read you. This, this, this is one that, I've, uh, that has been my favorite. Oh, wrong translation. Here we go. Deuteronomy 28 is incredible. 
you giggle because I've told you to do it. <laughs> Deuteronomy 28. It's just really incredible. Like the Lord really, when the Lord chose the Israelites out of Egypt, he, he chose them because he wanted to bless them with his presence. And he did it so that the world would know that there was a people that belonged to him. And it's the same thing today. Blesses his people with his presence, which manifests itself in righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the kingdom. He blesses us with his presence so that the world knows that we belong to him.